Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And I'm Effie. And today you're joining us for our recap and discussion of Red Rising, book one in the Red Rising series by Pierce Brown. And joining us for this entire series is the wonderful, the beautiful Effie Bishop, my partner and cohabitant. Effie, thank you so much for joining us on this incredible ride that is Red Rising. You're welcome. I am so excited to have a new voice on Book Reviews Kill. We just thought it'd be fun to add in Effie, Evan's partner. And before we get going, Effie, I just want to sidebar and say thank you so much. And I think I can speak for all of the uh, Book Reviews Kill listeners for giving us so much of your partner's time. I know there's so (laughs) many nights that we are up till four in the morning working hard. That's time that he doesn't get to cuddle with you. So. Um, I just really, really appreciate it. And so do all the listeners. So you're a boss. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Pat and I have both read this series. And so this is a reread for both of us. And we thought it would freshen things up to bring someone on who not only has never read Red Rising, but hasn't really read any science fiction book series before. Like there's no fantasy series Effie has read. Have you ever read like Lord of the Rings or Narnia or any of the classics? No, the only fiction series that I've ever read is Harry Potter when I was a little kid and uh, Hunger Games when I was a a bigger kid. Didn't you read Uglies by Scott Westerfield too? Oh yeah, I read Uglies in like sixth or seventh grade. I was still a kid also. I mostly read nonfiction. Like I read science nonfiction. But not science fiction. Well, I did read the one Ursula Le Guin book. Oh yeah, Uh, Effie really likes Ursula Le Guin. But Effie, before we get into the recap, what did you think about the first book in this series? I liked it. I liked it a lot more than I was expecting. You read it in like two days. I read it in like two days. Me too. (laughs) I thought I was just going to have to push through this for you guys, but I like really couldn't stop reading it, especially like in the last half of the book. We invited Effie to join us like two and a half days before doing before the we wanted to record this episode. So we're like, "Uh, Effie, we're we're like, oh, yeah, she was like, I'll totally do that. And they were like, can you do it? In like two and a half days, though. She's like, what? Because like, I have school and because uh, you're in uh, no, college right, right now. now, right? Yeah, I'm on summer break for once. Oh, so we're hitting it at the perfect time. Yep. Yeah. I asked, actually initially had asked her if she wanted to do Malazan with us. <laughs> and then I showed her Gardens of the Moon and she was like, why would I ever? And then I showed her Toll the Hounds and <laughs> it's like a thousand and fifteen pages or something. This is so much and, better. Yeah, she was uh, definitely not enthused. No, and not only that, we would have like Malazan. ruined her love of fantasy forever, you know? <laughs> or like, maybe, like, she, I mean, she off. probably would have loved it eventually, but it would have taken oh, a little yeah. while, probably. I would have definitely... <laughs> Those books <laughs> are an undertaking. Yeah, but she rose to the occasion, and here we are two and a half days later, and uh, she's read the whole thing, so way to go, Effie. I'm excited. I, I loved Evan. Did anything in this read of it stick out more than before? Were you like, oh, yep, classic Red Rising? or Because I kind of forgotten how much I loved it. I forgot how much I loved Severo. Yeah. <laughs> Se- Severo is easily the best character and in, in my opinion uh in, in this book and i will you know without the best character anything, overall i mean i think so he's well i don't know yeah, if he's, he's the best up there. like capital b best character but i think he's my favorite character titus was pretty no, i'm just kidding i definitely <laughs> like i like severo a lot more than darrow personally what? well darrow's just so like Darrow's woe great. with me yeah. all the time he's, you know he's, he's just going a blood he's, feud yeah darrow's the guy you know he's he's the main he's our main i guy. like him i like darrow i was surprised by how much i ended up liking him because he was just like so dumb and clueless 
beginning. <laughs> At the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like I, I came to really like him. Darrow is an interesting protagonist, right? Because he's not fueled by, or at least initially, he's not fueled by like, we need to take over. This is so evil what's being done to us. He's fueled by what's been done to his wife and to fulfill her wishes. You know, it's like all about her really not so much like overthrowing the evilness of the society, which he also acknowledges. And so it's like becoming a more about that. But really, it's she's the main motivation. At least that's how it is in my mind. I think that might be why I I was able to like him, because his motivations weren't blind hatred for these oppressors. It was like he was like building this dream that his wife died for. We see a little revenge play out and it's everyone learns that it's not that cool. When yeah. Titus yeah. Dies. <laughs> yeah. Well said. So he's more fueled by like honoring her memory and wanting to fulfill her wishes. You know, like she's the real rebel here, not him. He's just like, well, I don't want her to die for nothing. So here I am. But as he <laughs> kind of progresses more into the society and becomes a little bit more entrenched into this, I think he starts to realize just how bad the situation really is. And yeah. It becomes... Uh, not just about EO, but it's still very much about EO, but also, you know, the Reds in general, too, which I think, uh, like, Pierce Brown did a really excellent job at kind of, like, giving the main character the motivation he needed, uh, a depth in motivation, and then expanding outward into, like, how he could bring, like, systemic change to this systemic right. issue, you know? Him understanding why his wife felt so passionately Right. That's that you just summed it up as usual. You summed it up in like four words when I did oh, it. Like as usual, I'm over here blushing. <laughs> all right, let's do the summary before uh, we get too deep because I know sure, we all yeah. have a lot to say. It has been 700 years since mankind colonized the solar system. Society has fragmented into a class system, with the powerful having installed a rigid, color-based social hierarchy with the physically enhanced golds at the top, ruling with an iron fist. Sixteen-year-old Darrow is a red, a class of workers who toil beneath the surface of Mars, mining helium-3, a necessary element used for terraforming the planet. He and his wife, Eo, are arrested after entering a forbidden area. While Eo is publicly whipped for her crime, she sings a forbidden folk song as a protest against the Reds' enslavement. She is subsequently hanged on the orders of the Mars Arch-Governor. Darrow cuts down and buries his wife's body, a crime for which he is also hanged. However, Darrow awakens to find that he has been drugged and delivered into the hands of the Sons of Ares, a group of rebels mainly constructed of the bottom-ranked classes who fight against the oppression of the Low Colors. Ares have adopted the video of Eo's song and execution as a rallying vehicle for their cause. Darrow is given the chance to infiltrate the society to bring it down from within. He is physically transformed by Mickey, a violet carver who gives him the abilities and appearance of a gold. Using a fabricated identity, Darrow is accepted into the gold's elite institute, where he befriends Cassius Albolona. Darrow is selected for House Mars by Fitchner. To continue to the next stage, Darrow must complete the passage, a test in which the 100 newly chosen students in each of the 12 houses are paired with another house member and tasked to kill each other as means to eliminate the weaker half. Darrow is forced to murder Cassius's brother, Julian, to survive, but Cassius can only guess who killed him. Each house is assigned a fortress and a scepter, called a standard, to defend within the Institute's confines, with the goal of warring with each other until one house enslaves the others with the standard. Mars fractures into factions, one led jointly by Darrow and Cassius, one by Antonia, 
and won by Titus Al Ladros and the antisocial Severo going off on his own. To neutralize the violent Titus, who has been sexually assaulting the female slaves left in Mars's fortress, Darrow manipulates House Minerva, led by the young woman he met briefly upon his arrival at the Institute, and whom he has dubbed Mustang. Mustang and her troops take the Mars fortress and imprison Titus. Severo helps Darrow escape and capture Minerva's standard, which he trades to reclaim Mars's castle. Darrow takes over as the Primus, which is the leader of Mars, and Severo and his group of Howlers declare their loyalty to him. Darrow realizes from the captive Titus's manner of speech that he is also a fellow Red impersonating a gold. To maintain his cover, Darrow captures Minerva's fortress and defeats their strongman Pax Autelamanas. Mustang reveals the existence of the Jackal, the leader of House Pluto, who is terrorizing other houses. Antonia and some of Titus's former followers attempt to overthrow Darrow, but he manages to thwart their plan. Lilith, a messenger from the Jackal, secretly reveals to Cassius that Darrow killed Julian. Cassius challenges Darrow to a duel outside Mars's fortress, wounding him and leaving him to die. Darrow is rescued and nursed back to health by Mustang. A hint of romance begins to build as they flee to avoid discovery by Cassius, now Primus of House Mars. Conquered students are systematically enslaved by other houses, forced by their honor to serve their conquerors. Darrow and Mustang begin to amass an army by recruiting many Oathbreakers, the wandering slaves who have chosen to disobey orders. Darrow prefers that his captured foes swear their allegiance and join him, rather than serve him. Learning from his previous mistakes, he frees these slaves and takes responsibility for their actions to gain their allegiance. He gains the loyalty of the duplicitous Tactus Aurath when he accepts physical punishment on himself after administering the same to Tactus for unruly behavior. Severo, who has led his team of Howlers to escape from Cassius and has now lost an eye, meets up with Darrow again to join forces. Darrow takes the fortresses of House Ceres, Apollo, and Jupiter, enslaving their members until the prisoners prove their loyalty to him. Fitchner reveals to Darrow that the other proctors have been conspiring to assist the Jackal, who is actually Adrius, son of Arch-Governor Augustus. Darrow exposes a prisoner, taken during the surrender of House Jupiter as the Jackal, after impaling his hand and offering him the opportunity to free himself by cutting it off. The Jackal slices off his own hand to escape, and uses Darrow's shock as an opening, attacking him and killing Pax in the attempt, then escaping with the illegal assistance of Proctor Apollo. Enraged by the Proctor's deliberate efforts to hinder his victory, Darrow slays Proctor Apollo. Seeing the opportunity now before him, Darrow and his army storms Mount Olympus, the floating palace of the Proctors, using the flying boots gained from Proctor Apollo. With the remaining Proctors subdued with the help of Severo and the Howlers, Darrow sends Mustang to capture the Jackal, only to find out from Finchner that she is Virginia Au Augustus, the Jackal's twin sister. Darrow expects a betrayal, but she returns to deliver her captive brother, and Darrow wins the exercise. Before he departs, Cassius promises he will get his revenge should their paths ever cross again. With his victory, Darrow is given his choice of a patron to sponsor his future. He accepts the hated Arch-Governor Augustus's offer to serve as one of his lancers, knowing that the powerful man will offer him the greatest opportunities to acquire the power he needs to destroy the golds and overthrow the corrupt class system, enslaving the reds and other low colors. What a book! Man, when I 
first got to the school system because i remember there was like a school trope happening here and then i remember that it's the best of all school tropes where it's just a bunch of students are given fortresses and like find little hidden caches of weapons and then are just gonna beat each other senseless in this like fantasy setting with swords and stuff i was just so excited because as we all know my memory leaves a lot to be desired and so i didn't really remember the exact minute by minute of this book and so when i remembered that as reading it i was like oh yes this book is so awesome uh effie what did you think were you surprised that that was the school (laughs) yeah i was surprised by a lot of a lot of what was going on i wasn't expecting them to like go to war i feel like pierce brown like he wrote this book that kind of pulls from a lot of different tropes and storylines and you can say hunger games it's okay well, it's not. I mean, it is. <laughs> you can, it you is can totally one other it fantasy book. <laughs> Definitely, but the, there's also like you know Harry Potter. They're sorted into houses, and I was even I was actually just thinking about it. The big reveal that like he was a re- he was a slave living underground, and that it was actually already terraformed, and all the shits going on, and it's like way crazier than he could have ever imagined, than Eo could have ever imagined. Kind of reminded me of like The Matrix. There's that conversation in The Matrix where that one guy is trying to sell everyone out because he's like, I don't care if this steak isn't real. Like, I, I just want to eat the steak. Like, right. Ignorance Cyrus. is bliss sort of thing. You nerd Evan Cyrus. <laughs> How would you forget I heard you. Name? I heard you. Go ahead. I can't remember when, but like Darrow at some point kind of early on when he's like going through this transformation, he's just like, actually, I think I'll just go back. I'll go back in the mine. I'll go <laughs> sing with my family. <laughs> like, I don't care. <laughs> I feel like he pulled from like a lot of different things and like obviously like the Roman gods and stuff like he pulled from all these different things, but I felt like it still added up to something new. I felt like it was something new. Especially because of how I mean, there's certainly like a real edge to all of this. You know, I mean, I I don't I don't really feel like Darrow's in a like the idea that Darrow is in this space where he could be found out at any moment. It's kind of like like an undercover cop kind of situation you know yeah. like almost at any time if he slips up they're not just going to kill him they're going to make an example out of him like if he thought what they did to eo was bad nobody has ever i mean people have been infiltrating them apparently like 90 of them but they haven't found anybody uh publicly that's done this and they would certainly make an example out of him and, and his family i would imagine and his, and his entire family probably a lot of the reds anybody he's even wasn't it spelled out to, to him like uh, yeah but by a dancer yeah he was like everyone you've ever known will be like skinned alive or something yeah, crazy. yeah. <laughs> really something really, awful. really bad um, so, yeah, the so stakes a lot are is on really the line here yeah absolutely uh effie what did you think about darrow siding with augustus so quickly at the end of this book i'm still torn about that i still don't know fully how i feel about it I thought from the beginning during their like drafting or when they were sorting them into houses i thought because he mentioned that one night guy what's his name lauren lauren yeah they they mentioned him and so i thought that meant that like because he was mentioned as like this really influential like third most powerful guy who's like in control of all of like the armies or something i I don't he was an opposing faction from arch governor augustus right well, he's not part of the Bolognas. He is kind of like a famous uh, knight. He's uh, like a knight. third thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Lorne um, definitely kind of makes sense. And I think he even uh, considers Lorne. Yeah, uh, with, so yeah. I was like, oh, they brought him up and he seems like the guy because like the whole deal is to like get as much 
get in charge of an army and like use it against them. And so I thought that that's the way he was going to go. But then there was the whole little spat with Cassius, the little bitch. And like, he was yeah. like, I'm going to kill you the next time I see you. And so I thought that was cool that, you know, he's like, well, since we're already rivals, bet. But like, then, <laughs> but, like, yeah. but then at the same time, like, why go for like the third most powerful guy when you can go to like the first most powerful guy? Like Augustus is like the top of everybody, right? Like he, besides like the lady on the moon, on the one hand, yeah. Maybe he would have gotten along better with Lorne, you know, mm -hmm. like they would have maybe like been buds. But I think the riskier but ultimately more rewarding choice might be siding with Augustus. So I don't know. Not to mention that, uh, I mean, Augustus is kind of a uh, not not really a rising star, but he I think that the gold see that he has more potential and he like this whole the whole uh, hierarchy, like the their place at the top of the hierarchy really revolves around not just power but potential for power and their ability to keep it too mm -hmm. and so Lorne is definitely like yes he's a very capable um he's an know, established power yeah exactly but his his star is kind of fading you know i mean like people he's been around for a long time he's not he's still promising in his way but not quite the same way that uh, augustus is there's the, uh, the additional factor of the arch governor's what's the word I'm looking for his um, messing with the rules of the game, right? He was very much breaking the rules, which is illegal in oh, their society yeah. in order to elevate his own son and get him to win. And so if Darrow decides to not go with him, then he's kind of going to have to spill the beans about that whole situation, or at least not like cover it up. And now he's got this enemy that's really powerful. Even if it does defeat that enemy. Now there's like this, Oh, power hole this gap that needs to be filled it's like i think he made the right move in that yes he could have taken down one player right then potentially but he also could have potentially made himself an enemy that he's going to have to deal with that could hinder his growth and also just start a whole bunch of inner turmoil and conflict within the gold's hierarchy themselves by having this like potential power gap a hole that needs to be filled and he's like no no i need to be as fast meteoric as possible in my own rise to power so i think he did a really wise thing also gained some points because the arch governor knew that he had that against him and decided to not do that and side with him so i think and he now he can leverage it, well. it too he's got he's got one yeah. on the top guy exactly exactly <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly so you know i think that he made the right move but i think it's a indication of the like the wisdom and foresight that Darrow has, right? And that like, that would be so hard to do. Like it was specifically the arch governor who killed his wife. But I mean, you got to go to the highest part. I mean, because it's not like he can join House Bologna. Right. right. I mean, Cassius and him He's have a definitely going to be in the That would have been room. so funny. That would have been like, I thought about that um, on this reread. You know, I thought like, wouldn't it be crazy if he joined House? Because Bologna wouldn't immediately say no to him either. Right. It's right. like him joining Bologna. Like, it would. I mean one son is already dead right? right so i mean there is a little bit of a gap to fill there but then cassius so is risky, in the mix though. it would Mrs. have been very is gonna be i'll be watching my back so much if i, I was know Darryl. yeah she wants to eat daryl's heart yeah you know? dude it's yeah it's bad it's very very bad and it's it's so you know like uh that part where uh darrow kills um what was what was uh lucian who what was uh cassius's Julian? brother's name Julian, Julian, Julian. That part where Cassius kills Julian, it's such a 
it's such a tell like it shows so much about how privileged this class really yeah. is because julian was just like come on man like i got so much at, at stake here like my dad's like, watching me you know like but this my is, dad would be like, so ashamed right exactly <laughs> just like, like <laughs> let me kill you man come on i want yeah. it I, it reminds me of like paul rudd in um in parks and rec when he's running for for office and he's just like come on give me it give me it <laughs> give me it come give on just come on yeah. give me it it's so spoiled <laughs> i feel <you> know? bad <laughs> yeah you know but uh yeah it's it's it shows so much about like how this society operates you know like they're just as pampered as can be except uh, mm -hmm. uh but there's a funny thing there too because augustus is kind of one of the things he kind of rails against is decadence allegedly that's mm -hmm. just for the pixies you know like right we, we peerless scarred do not the peerless scarred like, Speaking of that, Effie, why do you think they force these kids to go through this school? Why do they? Why do you think the society has set up the school this way? Um, just in general, I think the reasoning they gave was that the the society has like three stages, and there's like the savagery and the ascendance, and then the decadence. And he was like shitting on the decadence. He was basically saying that these people, these golds, these kids were like born into the ascendance but like in order to understand it and like understand that power and also like wield it they have to like go through the process of ascending so they have to go through the savagery to understand and use the power of ascendance is was my understanding and that's why they beat darrow up so hard uh when they initially kind of like remember that scene where they like kind of rip him out of bed and he thinks like oh no they found me out like this is it this is when <laughs> but they were actually wearing gold bracelets and he knew that they weren't going to kill him but they had to just like beat him up so much to kind of because like a lot of these kids they've just been pampered their whole lives even if they're not quote unquote pixies you know they still have led lives of such privilege and such decadence already that they need to go through this process uh, to become the peerless scarred that right. keep them at the top of this pyramid, which is pretty wise, right? Have you guys heard the uh, the like saying from shirt from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations? I don't think so. No, it's this idea that this society wisely recognized and is getting ahead of. It's like the first, you know, it's like from shirt sleeves, like shirt sleeves. I guess means like poor, kind of. I guess from like bottom rank. Um, poor to poor in three generations and how it goes is the first generation is born into like a lifestyle like hardship um, determined to have a better future and they're willing to work hard make the sacrifices necessary in order to achieve their goals uh, and in time the efforts pay off they become rich and then uh, they enjoy the fruits of their labor and then their children the second generation grow up witness to the parents struggle and understand the importance of the hard work Right. And although they live like a more comfortable lifestyle, they still remember the childhood filled with frugality. Uh, and because of that awareness, they have like sound educational and financial choices that they make. And it kind of helps them build upon the foundation of their parents that they yeah. parents work so hard to achieve. And then the third generation has no memory of want or struggle. And the only they only know a life of plenty and often kind of like seem to lack an understanding and appreciation for the work that went into building the lifestyle they now enjoy. So that third generation is known to squander the wealth their parents and grandparents work so hard to build. And thus, eventually, we're back to shirt sleeves, right? So it's like this cycle. And I think that this society is trying to show the hardship of growth and the savagery of humanity's like true nature or whatever to each generation and kind of prevent this shirt sleeve to shirt sleeve because they don't want they don't want anyone changing classes they want them always to be at the top damn 
I've never heard that quote before, but that's like perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I thought of it because it's. Uh, I mean, I I did not make that up. That is a, yeah. a thing for <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, you know? for sure. I've heard like kind of uh, arguments against that in the sense that um yes uh if if all variables are consistent then that cycle will continue. Oh, in, in obviously perpetuity. that's a general statement. No, like no, not sure. everybody's. I'm not, saying, <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that you are binding by that, but it's just it's an interesting concept because um and even with this series too, I mean like. I wonder if the golds would recognize that that cycle would happen inevitably if variables around it didn't change, like if they weren't mm. flexible with certain things, you know, right. like advancements in technology and, um, you know, just changes, changes happen, right? And um, I, I wonder like how flexible and ready for change uh, a society or a class like the golds are, or if they uh, kind of, advocate against change to keep up a certain status quo uh to keep up a certain system um i don't i don't know yeah i would think they would go the against book, change yeah i wonder because like the the society in this series is hundreds and hundreds of years in the future and technology has gotten to an absolutely ridiculous place but it'll never stop progressing you know right. like the the society in itself will never stop progressing and like look at look at darrow you know like he's a variable that they yeah, are, I would say controlled seen. change they would be behind, but Maybe, yeah. uncontrolled change no. for sure. Well, no, yeah. Chad is right though because yeah. it they showed that in the school with by favoring the jackal and setting it up so that he was a shoe in to win, even though it's supposed to be like this meritocracy where they're like the best man wins, except if you're the son of the arch governor, then you win. And so it's right. like they obviously it is like clearly against their nature to go with any kind of change that disrupts their power no one yeah, wants that to disrupts lose power. The power but it's 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 hugely hypocritical too oh because for sure right yeah and it's so funny you know because like i'm sure even darrow would be if i was darrow in this position i'd be like man these people are all so full of shit like they really yeah. don't abide by any of the things that they really believe in i mean they abide by it enough just enough to keep their themselves at the top here you know right but it's like that saying about like um you know in in the song of ice and fire like stannis baratheon he's so he's so rigid that he'll break if he's bent too far you know mm. and like that's what this that's, that's a in, good yeah well, like, stannis. 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 <laughs> 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 well it's funny though because like at the end when augustus you know augustus and darrow have a really interesting conversation with each other he's like lauding darrow at one point saying like you are a man that people follow like i don't really care that you ca i don't care that you come from humble backgrounds people follow you and that's rare and that's awesome but then at the same time like this is coming from the mouth of the same guy who tried so hard like manipulating the game to make his own son win it's like he's like i respect a man who can lead but also <laughs> like totally manipulate and pay my way for my son to be that man when in doubt like yeah, come on man you vapid piece like <laughs> <laughs> Effie, how did you feel about Darrow allowing Cassius to kill Titus after Darrow learned that Titus was a red? Yeah, that was a really <laughs> crazy part of the book. Yeah, it was, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think that specific part, like the series of events of them like capturing Titus, him discovering that he was a red through him slipping up and using words that only reds would use. In his head, it was like this panic He's like, holy shit, this guy's a red and he's like a shitty one. Like he's one that like is <laughs> yeah. just going to ruin. He's going to make my job harder. And he's not the one that needs that we need to like lead this 
insurrection. So it was like he basically, I feel like, kind of had already made up his mind that Titus had to die in that moment. And because Darrow is like kind of shitty and led <laughs> Cassius to believe that Titus killed his, he was like, oh, it's like, I felt like it was like kind of perfect for him. He was like, oh, like I, I can get rid of two problems. Cassius will feel like he avenged his brother. That mess is over. This Titus guy who's like a rabid dog, he's putting down these two problems that'll like, that were in his way. And then after that, he'll be cool. And then I feel like as soon as Cassius killed Titus, he like immediately realized like, oh, that was shitty. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like, it was oh, shitty no. because he let Cassius do it. <laughs> because he let Cassius, he, it was shitty for like a bunch of reasons. He like learned, I feel like he aged like 10 years in that moment. Like he was like, <laughs> he, he like, he came out of that moment a man because he was like, oh my God, he learned that. A, when you're just fighting for revenge, it doesn't help right. anyone but like you. And it's different than justice. And it's different than justice. He was like, yeah, B, he was like, that's not justice. And C, he was like, now no one respects me. Right. <laughs> like, no because one. he should have done it. <laughs> like Eddard Stark. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like how he he was the one who passed the, what's it, the sentence? He who passes the sentence. He who passes the sentence. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I thought that was a really cool, necessary moment. The reader and Darrow all like learned a lot together. And, and it, I feel like it also kind of like humbled him a lot. I, I feel like it that was the coming of age moment <laughs> was Titus dying, being murdered by Cassius. It really was. Yeah, it's funny that do you think Cassius realized that at all? Because he seemed kind of blind to it and be like, thanks, man. Like, high five. Like, I needed I that because he was the one no. he thought that um, yeah. Titus was the one who killed Julian. Yeah, Cassius yeah. doesn't know anything. Yeah, Cassius yeah. is like not Cassius is like sucks. all the other gold kids. This is all superficial to them. This none of this school, none of the lessons they're learning, none of it is like as deep as Darrow and his motivations. Which is one of the reasons I think that at, towards the end of this book, there are a lot of um, kind of higher ups in the society that really respect Darrow. You know, this is a complicated society. Like, and I think that Pierce Brown was very smart in making it complicated and multi-tiered. Like I'm talking about the golds and, uh, specifically, but having some of these golds really, some of them really do believe in some of the tenets of their 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 class you know what i mean like yeah and so seeing darrow take it as seriously as he did and learn specific lessons from this whole process in their minds they're like now there's a gory damn gold right there you know like that's <laughs> yeah. that's a real gold right there oh he stormed olympus like yeah that's a that's a gold who will do what yeah. it takes you know like this totally is, to a lot of them but then there's also some golds that are like oh this is a this is a fly in the punch bowl like this is not good you know <laughs> he represents a change that could happen upon them right like he could disrupt their own potential um, hierarchy yeah. of power yeah and yeah. i think that's why augustus was like so quick to offer him Scoop the position because it was like keep him close like right. like we gotta we gotta tamp this down and make sure we can control it or if he is going to be out of control have it be for our own design and uh, through yeah. our own design yeah. and for our own benefit because augustus Augustus probably wants to be the sovereign, you know, like the, these people yeah. will climb as high as they possibly can. Having a rivalry with Bologna doesn't make things fun, doesn't make things nice and neat. No, yeah. this, is a, this is a blood feud that's only going to get worse. And having someone like Darrow, uh, it's, it's kind of a wild card, probably. Yeah. You know, uh, but not only that, he's an, 
he's a wild card that is armed with information that could personally take down House Augustus. So he's like, man, there are so many reasons that I need to take this guy under my wing, you know? I hadn't really considered that, even on this reread, that um, Darrow had that knowledge of what Augustus had done. Yeah, no, you got to keep your enemies closer. Yeah, 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 (laughs) friends close, enemies closer sort of thing. Um, I think it would be um, useful for me to review the the color hierarchies real quick so everyone who has not read these books, and just for us, we can kind of be reminded of them all so we can understand the society a little bit. So I'm just going to do that real quick. So we've got three different uh, groups of colors, the high colors, the mid colors, and the low colors. I'm going to start at the top here. We've got the high colors, which is the golds. They are the rulers of the society. We have silvers, which are the financiers and the businessmen. We have the whites, which are clergy and judges. The coppers, which are administrators, lawyers, and bureaucrats. In the mid colors, we have the blues, bridge crew of starships and pilots. Yellows, doctors and researchers. Greens, programmers and technicians. Violets, artisans and other creatives. Oranges, mechanics and engineers. Grays, regular soldiers and police. And then then making up the low colors. And then making up the low colors, we have browns, which are servants, cooks, janitors. Obsidians, elite soldiers and bodyguards. Pinks, pleasure slaves, and social functionaries. And then reds at the bottom of the bottom. We have the manual laborers and miners. So I'm kind of curious. Um, I haven't read this series in a few years. Um, so maybe this has been uh, communicated to us, the reader, but I might have missed it. Or maybe it's just not super clear. But is everybody, like the hundreds of millions of people that are in this society, like is everybody assigned a color? Or I think is so. It... Okay, so... Yeah. Would most people be reds and browns, do you think? Because, like, most people, even in, like, our society, most people are laborers, you know? Like, I mean... Yeah, but I think, like, blues, like, bridge crew of starships, you know? Like, they're, like, the crewmen and stuff. But they're, like, in the military, you know? Like, that's, like, a whole... Yeah. They're not, like, commercial pilots and stuff. Maybe they are. Is there even such a thing as commercial pilots in this? Or is everything... See, that's the thing thing that I was kind of curious about. It's, like, like this this society is a lot more complicated than, like, ten colors. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's so many different jobs that would have to And then there's the hierarchies within the hierarchy. Totally, yeah. There's There's different kinds of reds. High reds and low reds. So then... yeah, what I'm wondering is like, would every single person in this society be uh, given a color? And then has it said anything yet about how you can progress from one color to another? Or are you I don't set... think that you no. can. Yeah, you just no. set in your yeah yeah. They like yeah, that's I think what's this is so a funny. Caste system. Yeah, literally, because in his speech, Augustus's speech to the gold students, like before the draft, he's saying like people are we're not born equal. Yeah. Like this is not a society of equals. Clearly, we're way better than everyone else. Since we ge- genetically engineered ourselves, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> we are better. Yeah, we are literally better. Yeah. But like, also, he goes on to say, like, like reds can't be doctors, and like greens can't. You know, like he like made a point to say that people from one color can't totally. do the job of another color. So it it sounded like you're everyone's given a color. And you dye that color. <laughs> and I think that this is, I mean, this is a pretty, and I think both of you would probably agree with me, but I think that this is Pierce Brown's like very much on the nose kind of send up of the kind of like high, high class, like top 1% of a society like ours, kind of like championing a certain meritocracy while also not really believing in it or, or, like you'd be or a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Or being a part of it at all. You know, like they're, they're, 
it's like ah all the great work you reds are doing down there like yes yes just keep working and you'll get yeah, this you guys moral. are doing like, great doing such a good job but like, meanwhile they're just like in squalor and poverty and then they're all just like they're never gonna progress up to here Those <laughs> right idiots. like their society is very much set up in order to keep them at the top not because they think that's the best way to run it right at least it seems that way I mean, to me i think that they do think it's the best way to run it like i i think that yeah, they, it's been because it's working for them, them. In power yeah it's working for them i mean it's the best way for it to run to their benefit but right but they're they're not there's not an altruistic bone in any no. of these people's bodies no. like they don't want to see did, it was removed yeah they don't want to see <laughs> they would want to see society progress only far enough to suit their benefit you know yeah. and anything past that would probably in their minds only be a detriment to their lifestyle and the amount of power that they have because they're so like against change and they're so set on golds always being at the top like i wonder what they would do if they realized that these violets these carvers had the ability to literally turn someone into a gold to the point where they can't even recognize that they're not one i think that the golds don't actually if they found out that it that it was a possibility wouldn't think it was an actual threat because yes. of how far along and how advanced and how how authoritarian their class really is and how much of an iron fist they really have yeah they're hubris you know but like, wouldn't it go against the whole thing about like the colors and the hierarchy and oh, how they are better and oh, so like, they would they would nip it in the bud but they wouldn't be worried about it right like, you well, know what I why mean? would they nip it in the bud then like because if they weren't worried to as a show of force to to set an example you know yeah and like, to make sure would, no one else think gets that idea into they would their probably head. with their own uh, with their own hubris in mind they would probably look at it as look at it as an opportunity to make a make an example of somebody like i don't know if like the ruling i mean maybe some of the ruling golds are legitimately worried about the sons of aries but um i don't think that they're like shaken in their boots at the thought no. of the carvers being they 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 think they're gods they actually know? think the other yeah. classes are lesser and belong in their station but would i do not think would hesitate to remind the whole rest totally. of a class and make an example out of somebody that that is where you belong i wonder though like if i keep going back to that speech but like it just it, it said so much about yeah, the motives of, of the golds and stuff and augustus and everything and and how he kept going on about how soft these gold kids were because they were born into this like this higher class and they're like you've been spoiled these lower colors the reds they're born with scars and calluses like they're hard you guys don't know hardness like these these kids do down in the planet following that logic with the way that darrow was able to become a gold in a way that other golds couldn't even recognize the difference and then he goes on to do something in the school that had never been done before. He takes Olympus. No mm -hmm. one had ever thought to do that because he's a red and he doesn't think like these kids. And he immediately like ascends to power among these kids. It's like, I feel like if they were actually as smart as they, they claim <laughs> to be, someone would actually see the merit of that. Like that's evolution. Like what, like I think I think Dancer or someone even said that they were asking what that was about Darrow and how he was able to solve this puzzle and do these things so quickly. And he was like, that's evolution. I don't think you're wrong about any of these notices that you have, but I, th I think it's it's more akin to kind of like Voldemort's Death Eaters uh, and their opinion of Muggleborns. 
You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's, yeah. it's like yeah. it's just it, Nazis. It's, actually. Yeah, it's, it's, just it's Nazis. I was. Gonna, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, we're keeping this in the fantasy realm. But... Trying to be more fun, but yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying though is, it's like it's like Hermione is one of the best witches of her age, right? And Neville can yeah. hardly stand a cauldron the right way up, but that doesn't right. matter. Like they like a thousand. Hermione's doesn't equal one Neville. Doesn't matter how bad Neville Damn. is. It doesn't matter. None of <laughs> right. that matters. It all like so. I, I everything you're saying is correct, but I think that the Golds are so they literally think they're gods. You know, like they yeah. they are modeled after the Romans. Like they're modeled after Roman. But that's their problem. Totally. Oh, because that, that's no, why it's be Darrow. Their undoing. Yeah. That's yeah. why yeah. Darrow was able to take Olympus. Totally. That's exactly. Is what because said. they're yeah. like. I'm a god. Like, what can these kids do? And he's like, I'm gonna fuck you up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right now. Exactly. Yeah, and and yeah. that's part of you know, Dancer has this figured out too. You know, and he's mm -hmm. like, we can't just we can't just serial bomb coffee shops and stuff. We can't just. It's not gonna work. Like, it's not, make everyone what hate we, us. What we have to do is understand any weaknesses that they might have, and that's why they send Darrow in undercover like this. You know, like we have to we have to learn how these people think. We have to learn how they they live. We have to learn not only what they think of us but how they think of themselves too right. and exploit any weaknesses that they have it's the only way it's going to work there's no other way because the golds have such a hold on this society but right. they're not gods they're definitely not they're they not though like so they do do a good <laughs> job of even covering for the weaknesses right by like having the kids go through this school like that's a pretty cool way of like scarring them and showing them like what hunger is like and like kind of depamperizing them and toughening them up a little bit and not only totally. making them be a ruler but one who earns it or at least in their mind they appre they, they yeah. learn to appreciate their status and yeah. like and so that way they're they're willing to fight that much harder against the lower colors who might try to overthrow them or whatever and they know what it's like <laughs> and maybe even know their place within the hierarchies within the gold right because there's oh, yeah, hierarchy yeah. within the gold each color itself right and they might kind of know that like the cream rises to the crop and maybe you will only ever be the leader of a battle battleship and not the leader of a a, a planet you know effie i have a question for you again um why do you think cassius didn't kill darrow because he had an opportunity to he kind of like left him there still alive like what do you think that was all about so first of all i think cassius and i've said it already is a little bitch <laughs> and sure. And I think I, I I was talking to you about it. His relationship with Darrow reminds me a lot of the relationship between like those two main characters in Mount Count of Monte Cristo. Dantes and Mondego. Yeah, I'll never remember those guys' names. Yeah. But <laughs> like that their relationship right away reminded me of those guys. And Count of Monte Cristo was one of the books that Darrow read too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so but right away, like when when Cassius was like getting like buddy with Darrow and like they he, they seem to really start to trust each other I was like this guy is gonna betray Darrow so hard like and... I shouldn't have shown you Counter Monte Cristo yeah <laughs> it, it, it gave it away because it's like because at the end of the day he's a gold like he's a fucking gold and so he thinks like one In and the, he, he acts he's like he's a that. Bologna too he's yeah he's a Bologna a he's, he's a so Bologna. entitled and yeah. so the only reason why I think Cassius didn't just like literally kill Darrow, like make sure he was super dead. I think it was because golds are entitled and like shitty, but they're also all really smart. And he knows deep down that 
Darrow might have like killed Julian, but really the school did. So you think it was like a mercy thing? Not a mercy, but more like a twinge of guilt or or shame. Couldn't bring himself to do it. I agree with you. I agree with you. At the end of the, yeah. I don't think that it was I don't really. Know if I do or not. In the yeah, forefront like, of his mind, I don't think I don't it was know if conscious I necessarily. That either. <laughs> like as I say it. <laughs> well, like it depends on whether or not you think. I mean, that's it's a cool it's a cool uh, idea for sure. I mean, like I mean, it depends on whether or not you think Cassius thought Darrow would die of his wounds. Maybe, you know, uh, I mean, maybe he thought he would die. Maybe he thought it was like a really slow, painful, shitty way to die. And yeah, he'd right. rather him, That's like, what he told suffer. himself, I think. Yeah, and, and I think that to, like, to your point, um, comparing it to uh, Dantes and Mondego's relationship, I think uh, maybe Cassius thought it would be beneath him to like kill uh, somebody from oh, that. Oh, right. Like, Better be rot. Yeah, I mean, like, why give somebody from that low of a family that quick of a death, especially after he killed someone in your family, you know? Yeah, like, uh, even if he did survive that, he's like, as of now, I never have to worry about you. Like, yeah, you're you're no longer... Yeah, <laughs> right. he doesn't know that, because he, he is does, still yeah. gold. So, Maybe. but, like... He might, he, maybe that's what he thought was like, like kind of like in Count of Monte Cristo when he turned him in, he was like, yeah, now I never have to worry about you again. <laughs> yeah, I, I think personally that it was cowardice at the ultimate, ultimate yeah. uh, reason, because like what he told himself was, I'm going to let this person suffer. Ah, ha, ha, I've won. But really inside, I think he knows, like you said, I think he knows in his heart of hearts that he would have done the exact same thing if he was mm -hmm. in Darrow's right. position. And yeah. he was brothers with him. They were friends. And he just like he was too much of a coward to end it and look into his eyes while he betrayed yeah. his friend. Effie made a really good point here, too, because I mean, like th these people like the golds. Pierce Brown was very careful about this because the golds are not stupid. Like they're no. not they haven't gotten so high up in society that they're not educated and they're just like laying in chairs and like being fed by robots and stuff like that's not what they are you know like and they recognize that would destroy them so that leaves a lot of space for the reader to not feel safe around these people it makes them that much more formidable yeah. right yeah well said there's there was a lot of times where like darrow kind of underestimated these kids because like he was just seeing these like brutish dudes pampered and he and like he would he just took them as like blunt objects, but really they like they were onto his plans as often more often than not. Like mm -hmm. they kind of knew what he was up to because they're not idiots. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Mustang. Um, I want to I want to hear both of yours opinion about their little romance that they get going on. What do you think about that? And then also she's if anything she's like a, a unique gold, right? Because she kind of understands the system and almost fights against it i mean her not betraying darrow at the end is kind of an example of like loyalty over crushing your enemy for any reason right and rising to the top uh tell me what you guys think about her uh effie we'll start with you and then evan i really liked mustang she i think in a weird way that pierce brown kind of i think he kind of replaced eo with her for a gold for the daughter as we find out the daughter of like augustus the worst for someone that high up to be that tapped in part of me was like a little unbelievable uh, yeah. like mm, like okay. you know like up until then all the golds like all made sense but she was a little she wasn't just like sympathetic she was like kind of already on darrow's level in some ways right. even knew and the song yeah and so to me i was like well uh i don't know but like i liked her in the same way that i liked eo because you know she's a cool smart person who like kind of can call out the bullshit of all these like 
idiots running around trying to rule the world. Did you think she was going to betray Darrow? No, I never really worried about that. Even at the end there, when she learned she was the son? I did. I was totally blown. I totally forgot. Evan, what did you think? Do you think she was going to betray him? No, not. I mean, not really. Like, I didn't really get that vibe. I mean, I'm kind of with Effie here where... Um, Oh, I totally I did. <laughs> That's okay. Wait, I was why, like, no. Why did no. you? Why did what? you think she was going to betray him? It because would have gold be gold. things up. Yeah. Yeah. But even though like, she knew the lyrics to the song. Uh, yeah, but like, that was just a happenstance. She knew, like, she didn't actually know the lyrics. She just knew the mention, she was humming it. Like, we have to remember too that EO's death is a, basically a viral video at this point. Right. So, right. So, like every everybody. Right, but seen like, it. she oh, like is it in she didn't just too? watch it. She like took it in. She like understood what was going on. So my theory with with Mustang is that um, kind of like to Effie's point earlier and the point we've been kind of circling around that the idea that these golds are very smart. You know, um, I think that Augustus specifically is maybe maybe a bit extra, you know, like mm -hmm. he he is very he's a very intense person. And I think that growing up under the thumb of somebody like that typically people tend to rebel and look for ways out from under that thumb and look for like wholly different ways of thinking. Um, not all the time, but it definitely happens. So I think that would kind of explain a lot of her mindset and a lot of her more kind of like openness to maybe not being all the way open. Like if she found out Darrow was a red, like right there, I don't know that she's chill enough <laughs> like right now <laughs> yeah like it would probably be bad but i think that the golds kind of like how there are separate hierarchies within the golds i bet there are separate philosophies within the golds as well depending on the way that certain goals were brought up um you know certain trauma that they've been through because of the society that's been set up um, there's a certain like natural progression progressivism in ideas um, when you are living under an authoritarian regime like this, which is bound to rear its ugly head, which is trying to be squashed all the time. And I think that having a father like Augustus kind of would involuntarily bring about that kind of philosophy, you know, so I think that's why Mustang is the way that she is. Well, I had yeah. a question about that. Like, I was wondering why Augustus didn't try to show the same favoritism towards mustang that he did towards the jackal his son i think he has more confidence in mustang um, like a patriarchal thing uh, Wait, what know. do you mean he has more confidence i think uh, adrius is not the same kind of like warrior as mustang is like so adrius then... hasn't proven himself as much as mustang has so exactly like... so it's but... like why would he why would he favor the kid yeah. And like try to rig it so that the kid who is like less capable would win. Because why wouldn't he favor them... yeah, the most? Yeah, he'd let the he'd want to make the one who's more capable win. I would think. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, he'd want to he'd want to give more resources to the less capable one, so both of his kids could come out as high. But as But that's possible. not what ha he was like. Literally, like the proctor said, they rigged it so that the jackal will win. They never. Yeah, he said wasn't just anything like about giving her a true. med pack. Yeah, you're right. Time you're time, right. You know? Yeah, you're totally right. I don't know. Yeah. So I then think he, it makes I think it's a patriarchal thing, maybe. Well, that could so be it, it too. Could yeah. be it, but the the sovereign person is a woman, right? Is a woman. So it's like I think I think it's like maybe there's something about their relationship he that has side. him favoring his son, and that's also something about that relationship might also be why she is of a different like philosophy. Than, Not to mention, yeah, didn't than... one of the didn't one of the Augustus kids get killed prior to all of this as well? 
Um, by the Bolognas or whatever. Yeah, uh, and he was like the the star child before. Um, oh, I so think like, that was... yeah, and that's why he hid them away. He hid those. Yeah. He hid them, the two of them away. So that's that's a big deal too, right? Yeah. I mean, which um, kid? So maybe, I can't remember his name. Um, it was the eldest of the Augustus. There were like three kids of um, Nero uh, initially, mm. uh, and then before all this, the Bolognas had killed Adrius and Mustang's brother. Um, but I can't remember his name. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But it was like a really big deal. Like it's 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 part of the whole blood feud with the Bolognas and everything. Yeah. Got it. Um, okay. But I, maybe it's like Augustus wanting to prop up his only remaining son. You know, maybe it, that could be it. I think Effie was close to the right answer, kind of flirting around it with there's something to do with their relationship. I think he's seen something inside of her that she has this compassion that he does not think that a leader should have. Yeah. And so he's like, you know what? I'm not even going to like, she's smart and very capable. In fact, he's probably a little scared of that even. Um, so he's uh, like, I'm going to raise up my son because I know that he has the values that I value hmm. that would yeah. elevate himself to be a good leader. And so like, who knows what he thinks about That's her. But yeah, I think it's relationship based, something about that. And and to go back to your question, the reason why I never suspected Mustang to betray Darrow was because of the way that he found her in Olympus he comes upon her room and it's like all fucked up and she's asleep on the ground and like clearly like there was a struggle and they had to sedate her but like while she was in olympus being held by these proctors they're all golds they're all like on the same side at the end of the day and they kidnapped her to try and like hurt darrow and she didn't give him away she didn't like Mm, she wasn't just like oh yeah that guy here's a way you can like take him down or whatever Mm. like she she didn't say shit when she absolutely could have, and there was like no reason why she shouldn't, unless she literally was like loyal to Darrow and his cause. Totally. Yeah. And no, so you're I was right. like, oh, yeah, no. Like, even when they like set it up and he was like devastated and goes on this tear to try and like set up this war, I was like, this is silly. Like, she- <laughs> <laughs> she's not going to do that. <laughs> do you think that EO would, if she could see everything that Darrow has done from the moment EO died to the end of this book? Do you think that she would feel like Darrow is fulfilling or at least beginning to f- fulfill the dream that she had? Would she approve of the way that he's acted? What do you think about that? I think yes. I think that she would be pretty stoked with the way that he's going about doing it. I think that she'd be very much more a fan of the change something as opposed to build something. In fact, I have a quote that uh, was relevant to earlier that we pulled up. I forget what we were talking about, but it is now again relevant. So that's awesome. Um, One of my favorite quotes from uh, Buckmeister Fuller, and it says, uh, don't kill what you hate, save what you love. Don't try to destroy the old bad models, render them obsolete with new better models. And I think she would really uh, resonate with the, don't to completely destroy a thing and then have a new thing rise from the ashes. Take what you love and kind of, it's better to change than it is to destroy and rebuild, you know? Um, so I think she would, I'm sure there maybe might be once some individual d- decisions that she might've disagreed with Darrow on, but yeah, I think by and large, she'd be pretty, pretty stoked with the route that he's taken and the sacrifices that he's made. What about you, Effie? I would agree. I, Cause I think that she was, a real like radical at heart like even though she didn't know the full extent of the slavery and like the extent of the hierarchy and like how everything had already been like fully terraformed and settled like she she was on to them and her first like instinct was violence <laughs> so i think yeah. like she would be okay with 
everything because it was clear that what he was doing was trying for like a more systemic takedown than kind of like you said like it's more of like a like getting in and liberating his people rather than like just fucking it all up and killing everyone for right. like just how would that help you know i think she would yeah i think it Nor was smart enough that she would be like all right yeah i think uh my, my answer is just a tiny bit more nuanced than this but like i, I think that if if eo was alive like before darrow went into before darrow spoke with dancer before darrow went into this whole process she probably would have been like burn it all down like burn all of this like fuck them all like kill kill as many as you can like get in there she would have been on like the, the side of aries um of like blowing up coffee shops and stuff but like she's that. smart that's, but that's kind of how she was at the because she doesn't know the full extent of this situation yeah like, you're right you know what huh? i mean like so like at the beginning of the book um she you know, like i agree with what effie says she was a radical like she was very much like let's do whatever it takes i mean she was willing to die for this cause without even knowing the full scope of the cause you know what i mean like she was yeah. as extreme as you could possibly be with this yeah. if she had bombs she would have set them off you know <laughs> yeah. uh, but i think that like if she was with darrow every step of the way she would have understood everything just as much as darrow had come to understand exactly why he was there too yeah. and realized they could never win a battle on that on battlefront no absolutely like they're never going to face There's, off against the golds no. and win like they're going to lose even they have every to be single right like yeah like this isn't a bug's life you know what i mean like this, <laughs> right, this right. isn't like those ants like <laughs> there's they, thousands of them <laughs> yeah like you let one ant stand up and they all might stand and they up. all like that's they're they're not worried like uh, like i said before like i really don't think the golds are as worried um because like they really do have such a hold on this society like all the reds put together mm -hmm. i don't think could stage uh the, the kind of revolution that eo probably had dreamed of initially which is one of the things that's so interesting about this book is how that idea of revolution really progresses throughout like uh darrow gaining more knowledge about what he's up against you know i mean and i think that might be one of the best things about the reds and one of the things that nero had explained in his speech is their flexibility their adaptability like their right. their ability to like rise up in the face of adversity and bear those scars that the golds don't, can't necessarily bear you know so he's kind of onto something there when he's talking yeah. like that but it's mostly rhetoric to yeah. pump up the gold but you yeah. know, like rhetoric is interesting like that it is yeah it's funny how uh one message can be applied to a bunch of different people and kind of mean the same thing like yeah. the same pump up speech <laughs> could be used in different you know with enemies and each side is like yeah you but know I, I do agree with you though that's my like my, my long-winded way of saying like i do agree that eo would be ultimately very um happy with how darrow has handled himself smart I mean, in the long run yeah probably wouldn't be happy to see him hooking up Joining with mustang with that yeah, quickly what the oh fuck? yeah i mean they didn't really hook hook up though right like they didn't did they have sex? He kissed they her kissed. no he kissed her yeah they didn't yeah he kissed so, on the lips no, they, yeah he so, kissed her on the lips so he felt so, real bad about it yeah but i mean it was, it was pretty quick he thought but about like, it though he thought about like, it he was, he, was like, yeah. he was like we have time there's a bed mm. yeah but uh, like, he, he, dude your wife <laughs> just died like 
I feel like months ago, I guess. It was like a year ago. Was it? I feel like she would be like, in their hearts, you can destroy their arms. You know, like, like you know, I feel like she'd be like, whatever means necessary. Though she wouldn't enjoy watching (laughs) that necessarily. Yeah, do it for sure. (laughs) Get in there, Daryl. Super (laughs) stoked about his choosing, like, of Augustus. Like, really, the guy that like literally put me to death. He's your patron. He's got to go as high as possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She was ruthless. She would have. She would have liked it, I guess. But still, that would have been hard. I had a question right away when I started reading the like after Darrow died which by the way his death scene Eo's death scene was like this long beautiful heartbreaking <laughs> just it was Violin. so tragic I was yeah. crying no if he came I down cried. to my office like <laughs> oh I was gonna door. ask you if you cried at all during oh, this yeah. thank you for oh, answering I that cried hard. I ugly cried I was like yeah. really I was <laughs> no, really Effie came sad. down to my office while I was I was like recording something and then Effie was like banging on my door and I was like just a second and then she like banged on it again like, I was like whoa oh no god so I like opened up the door and Effie's just like holding the book in her hand she's like this book is too sad <laughs> It's like in the first like thirty I felt pages. So bad. Too. Yeah, it, it was like I was like, oh no, did I just read wedding her like all over again? Like, I just, <laughs> oh like, right, totally yeah. forgot. That. I don't want to watch this anymore. I remembered, yeah, because I hadn't. It was, when, it was awful. When, when she was crying, like I hadn't started the book yet, because uh, I was just oh, like, busy with other stuff, and I was like, oh my god, like what what part was it? And then she described the part, and I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that was really bad. Oh, no. And then it gets worse. Like, she dies, and that's <laughs> awful. It gets worse. And then he, like, carries her into the garden where, like, and the reason why they got punished was being in the garden. He takes her to the garden because she loved it. And, like, all the people are touching her, and he buries her. Every- I could, it fucked me up. Yeah, I mean, so she was, was the one who had to pull on her legs to break yeah, her neck, so she's been strangled to death too. And it like describes that you're like, oh, it's so rough. And yet, yeah. this is a young yeah. adult book. Sure. So like her death no. scene no. and all that, and then it just goes right into like Darrow. Hey, everyone's really sad for you, and now you're gonna die. And then he like gets hung like two paragraphs later. Like it's yeah. crazy. Like it, yeah, it was so fast. without any sort of like penance or any sort of no, celebration like, or anything. Yeah, no go. tears. Like, like, yeah, like everyone was just like bummed, but like, and then he died, and so that was crazy. I thought like his death scene. I thought I was like kind of startled, but then once he was with the sons of Ares, I couldn't help but like wonder. And maybe this is just me always like looking for. For twists and clues but like i it's a lot like chad <laughs> yeah i i was like is dancer his dad is dancer like secretly his dad oh. uh i mean daryl's dad is dead um, but is he because darrow died right <laughs> yeah, dancer totally. trope <laughs> I, mean, I, I think um like daryl would probably recognize his dad well i thought that too but then i was like no he was he really young he yeah. was really young when it happened and They've then got Mickey. What? They've got Mickey too. I mean, maybe Dancer well, would like rearrange his face or something. Oh, I don't yeah, even yeah, think yeah. he would need to do that. He was super young. Totally. Yeah. And then like he died. If I can remember, he was like very young when he his dad died. And it's like he might have they don't have like pictures of people, yeah. you know. Hmm. And so it's like I was wondering because he like limped and he was all kind of like fucked up, but he was like old. Mm-hmm. And I think I was, like, is this guy's dad? I mean, as if much he as was, we be... wouldn't tell you anyway. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't remember, but I don't think that it was. I think dancer is just an opportunist, uh, an opportunist, an opportunist looking for the perfect situation. And here he's got this wife who he can now use this video. She's singing the song "Perfect Death." Yeah. Let's use this as a martyr, which is powerful. And then who better to have as his in 
you know, get him down from the inside. Someone who's very brave, very uh, dexterous, you know, physically and mentally very capable because he's one of the, um, what do they call it? What are the miners? Helldivers. Helldivers. Yeah, Helldivers, which was so awesome. Yeah, love that. Cool name. <laughs> uh, and I love they have like this, the, the curved blades with them. So just in case, like they only carry these blades to save their own life should a limb get trapped within the equipment yeah, that you cut it off. Hard. Like, yeah, they're hard. They're hard. Exactly. So like what better of a guy like his wife is the martyr is the face of the movement uh this person's gonna have to go through massive hardship to even kind of live and you know it wasn't he wasn't the first one obviously he wasn't the first one that he's tried he said like nikki said there was like tons of others that had died before him and then titus did make it so there might even be others that he that are in the goldum um currently that we don't know about Right. Is there like another faction of the Sons of Ares that are like also doing the same thing? Or like, did they just have Titus, but they didn't tell him? I think you need to read the second book. Uh... (laughs) We're only the first book in. So what do you think is going to, predictions, Effie, what do you think is going to happen during this next book as we wrap up here? I mean, Evan just keeps saying it's crazy. (laughs) What does that mean? Golden Sun is wild. Yeah, Yeah, he just keeps saying it's so crazy. Um, and so just like I don't that, know, sure. just like that, exactly. Kind of that, just like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what. I know that I'm. I'm guessing that it'll be like more of his schooling or like his apprenticeship or like. Well, his... they're off to the academy next. So yeah. Like so this... it's like maybe more of that. Maybe he meets other. And and that was my other question. Is so this this whole school situation. Like, there are all these planets with all these golds on each one. Yeah. And, like, he came from another planet, so that seemed normal. But, like, is this the only school in the solar system? Or are there schools on each planet? I think this is the only one. I think that the Mars is... uh, I mean, the moon, like Luna, obviously, is where the sovereign is. But Mars, I think, has the highest population after the war with Earth. Since it was so close. Yeah, because it mentioned like the Luna's, uh, the Sovereign's son was there, right? He was killed by Severo, I believe. Was that the Sovereign's son? What? No. Maybe not. Which was the one, which was the dude who was killed by Severo, who was like I can't remember his name. Oh my God. Like Primus or something. Was it his, was it her son? No. It was like, it was like a major, he was very high up though. And he was like lauded as like. Yeah, I can't remember uh, who it was. Like exactly. Oh my god, wait. I, I know Severo was like 99th um when, yeah. they, when they ranked everybody and like he was not supposed to make it through at all. Oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about Severo. Oh like, my god, Severo's. I liked him a lot. Yeah, he's the best. I can't find the name oh. of that kid who he killed. Uh so this is a this is a juicier question anyway. Uh but this and this kind of leads into the question, Effie, we were asking you about what you think happens in the next book. Did you notice that Severo, that Darrow noticed that Severo deleted Darrow saying "bloody damn"? Oh yeah, and, yeah, oh, yeah. Because Severo is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and big, Severo is kind of like another there. one of those golds that is of a different philosophy. Yep. I mean, like you find out that Fitchner is his dad, which yep. I was actually. That was one of the twists that I hadn't, like, totally predicted. I mean, everybody's connected, right? right? Like, and he and he kind of like knew some stuff that the other kids didn't. So I I figured he like was connected in some way. But but Fitchner was a different kind of gold too. He it sounded like he kind of had to work harder than most to get to where he was. 
Yeah. And so Severo, what did Chad say about the generations? <laughs> his, <laughs> From short sure sleeves. Yeah, his dad yeah. worked really hard and Severo was there to see that. So I don't know, maybe he's like a little bit more tapped in to things. And he, I mean, oh, wait, I take that back. Obviously he is because he immediately went on his own and lived with the wolves. So like this guy is cool and he is not like other golds. And I think he will continue to be like, an ally or like a friend i think so that's my yeah. prediction i agree i think he values a lot i think he values a loyalty you know kind of as being the coming from the bottom of the bottom of gold and kind of being smart enough to realize he was really put into because he was put up against priam alcan who was not the house of anyone luna related that but guy. he was the son of a banner woman of house bologna who mm -hmm. owns two moons of mars that's where the moon thing came from in my mind mm -hmm. uh, and he was supposed to be you know several several was supposed to die to him because he was like an up-and-coming you know savant you know everyone an up-and-comer and, and yeah. several then killed him stomped his throat and several knew that he knew he was supposed to die right so i think he's going to value the loyalty and even he doesn't really care that he's a red he's like i know because i'm from the bottom though he doesn't truly but he thinks that he knows what it's like because he's from the bottom of the golds and so he maybe even kind of like finds darrow even more relatable yeah even if he doesn't fully understand because maybe he didn't recognize the word the way that darrow did when titus said it but yeah. he suspected that something about it was weird enough that he should cut it and that's that's what makes him cool. <laughs> that and how he lived with the wolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's just so brutal. You know, he he uh killed Priam in the passage by just stomping his trachea until he died. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm really excited to read Golden Sun, and I'm sure my memory will be even more excited as I remember remember things as I read them. And I'm excited that we have Effie along for the ride. And uh, has anyone got anything else before we wrap here? Oh, I think that's it for me. What about you, Effie? Um, no, that's it. That's it for me. Cool. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We're so happy to have Effie on as a guest for all six of these books. Book six, Lightbringer, comes out at the end of this month, Woo! which we're all really excited about. Mm. Uh, we went to the bookstore earlier because I had to pick up a copy of Dark Age, and um, it's 750 pages long. So it's so big. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I was not aware. I had, I've never owned a copy of uh, Dark Age, um, so... When I picked it up, I was definitely pretty surprised at his length. And I don't know how long Lightbringer is, but we've definitely got some episodes and some conversations ahead of us. Yeah, we oh, do. God. Yep. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm excited. <laughs> well, until then, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, join us next time for Golden Sun. Hopefully, all of you are not too traumatized by the wild events that are going to be happening in the next <laughs> few books because it definitely gets pretty dark. But until then, like I said, uh, hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> you have to do it like that Nailed every it. time now. Yep. <laughs> Bye.